All right, everybody. Today's episode is brought to you by Refinitiv. Unlock new possibilities with consistent, high-value market data from Refinitiv. Try the Refinitiv Icon Data API for the largest breadth and depth of data and community tools with native Python support. Check out refinitiv.com backslash stackpodcast to try the Icon Data API today. Refinitiv. Data is just the beginning. I was going to say you've rebuilt GeoCities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the GeoCities reboot. I wish. I hope, you know, I mean, and, and I think like for those of us who are old enough to remember GeoCities or MySpace, it was like millions of people used to just make cool stuff on the web. Yeah. And it wasn't like we spent all day hitting refresh on like three different websites that made us miserable. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast for the week of February, who knows, post-Valentine's, hope it was happy for you, hope you got a telegram, a Postmate, a paperless post. A Valentine? Yeah. Could it be a paper Valentine? It could be a paper Valentine. Yeah. We have a wonderful <laughs> guest on today, Neil Dash, the CEO of Glitch. Hey, Neil. Hi. Nice Welcome. to have you here. Thanks. You're here I, today. I was here in the olden days. Yeah. Back when this podcast was in black and white. Oh, wow. That's yeah. right. When it was on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it was a live radio show. <laughs> and you're also here today for the board meeting because you're on the board of Stack Overflow. It's true. Both things. Yes. Is the board meeting here? It is. It is. It's going to be in we, the same room. Well, what's funny is at Stack Overflow HQ, the podcast studio and the boardroom are the same room. Yeah. Wild. And I think I'm probably, other than Joel Spolsky, the only person who regularly was in both. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. It's yeah. weird. You have a special connection to the company. You also are the CEO of Glitch, which kind of was the phoenix that arose from the ashes of Fog Creek. Is that mm-hmm. a nice way of saying it? Yeah, well, it's to reboot. Yeah, reboot. Yeah. It's a new generation, grittier reboot. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of the middle Fast and Furious. Yeah. No, it's actually, it's less gritty. It's like if we went back to like the cartoony Batman. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, my parents are dead, but I'm a little happier. Right. It's yeah. Joel Schumacher. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Colorful, bright colors. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got it. I just punch people. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah. I put it like more Robin, more like yeah. jokes. Yeah. 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 So tell us a little bit about Glitch. I know you guys have hit some nice milestones. Five million sort of apps, apps yeah. created, which Amazing. is pretty cool. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. So we like to say Glitch is the friendly community where you build the app of your dreams. And it's and it's basically where everybody can make the web. So you, you go in the browser from a coding standpoint, it's like almost like Google Docs for writing code. You just go in there and you can type. And as you type, your app is instantly deployed. And it's really fun because you can send that link and be like coding along with someone if you're pairing or something like that. And then if, you know, whether you're a coder or not, you can go and browse those like 5 million apps and find lots of fun, interesting stuff. And it feels a little bit like it's open-ended and surprising, like the good parts of YouTube where you're just like, wow, somebody made a whole documentary about this one thing they're obsessed about. And like one of the apps that went viral on Glitch the other day was from somebody who's a fan of BTS, the the stars of K-pop. And they used Spotify's API and they built a system to track how each of the songs in the entirety of BTS's catalog is doing in terms of plays on Spotify. And it's just like, see which songs are most popular among the fandom and what's getting played. And it's just like apps as a mode of expression for K-pop fandom was like very exciting to me. Yeah. It's like, that is it. Because back in the olden days, people would make a 
you know, fan page on MySpace or something. Yeah, I was going to say, you've rebuilt GeoCities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the GeoCities reboot. I wish, I hope, you know, I mean, and, and I think like for those of us who are old enough to remember GeoCities or MySpace, it was like millions of people used to just make cool stuff on the web. Yeah. And it wasn't like we spent all day hitting refresh on like three different websites that made us miserable. Yeah. It was just fun things. <laughs> and so there's a lot of that spirit. And then it's cool because like alongside that, there'll be somebody made a really nice integration of a Slack bot that just like, reports on stats in their company. So you can do both the fun pop culture thing and the really practical thing for work. And it's just a set of tools that let you do that. And it's amazing to watch. There was an app that went viral. You'll remember the name of it for me. But basically, you could make a doodle and then it would sort of come to life and mm-hmm. wander around oh, this area with the other doodles. What yeah, was it was called Doodle something. I forget yeah. the name, but it was incredible because it was using this sort of generative animation framework to add animation to what you had drawn. And, right. and, and it was just like one of those where I was like, at a tech level, I was like, wow, what you're doing with WebGL and SVG and these things is like, I was like, I didn't know Canvas could do this. So yeah. Yeah. Like at a tech level is amazing. And then you sort of switch off that part of your brain. You just look at it and you're like, this is fun. And these are lots of people just goofing off and sharing their art with each other. And it feels, like I said, like the good parts of the internet used to, which is like, these are people playing. Yeah. You know, with strangers, and you know, yeah, some of the drawings are butts, and like it, you know, well, like yeah, it is. That was what the it fun is. part. I showed it to my kids, and they immediately got it, and they did doodles to get in there, yeah. and then their doodles started wandering into these huge penises, and then yeah. my wife was like, "Why is it only penises?" She had to draw her own. It was yeah, bulbas, and yeah. Then we, we kind of added to the chaos, but yeah, uh, thank you for bringing your art to glitch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but I think that's exactly it, right? It's like that sense of like a playful space, and it's not, you know, I don't want to over-index on like how much of this is prurient content, but like a lot of it is just where is the space that you go and play and do goofy things with friends or kids or whatever um yeah Yeah. (laughs) well and and you know tiktok i think is great and really generative i used to love vine back in the day and now one of the creators has launched bytes which is sort of a modern version of that those are great but they're video and i'm like my medium is the web yeah yeah my my makeup is not always ready right yeah 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 yeah. like i am not presentable at all times (laughs) but like i can i can type some tags I mean, I do think it is interesting that if you work hard at it and you sort of establish a culture from the beginning and a vibe, then, you know, that becomes ingrained after a while. And like you said, I feel on Glitch, it's it's playful, it's creative, it's inclusive. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, I think to a certain degree, is true of TikTok. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like it's a place to go and argue about politics, you know, or stuff like that. Given the ownership, I don't know if they even Yeah, they don't let, they don't let, they run on it. Yes. But yeah, no, I think, you know, then that can kind of, you know, become this flywheel, which is a nice thing as opposed to some other social media. Well, yeah, people say, I'm going to go to this website or I'm going to load this app and I I know it's not going to make me miserable. Right. That goes a long way these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the bar is that low. And so, then, you know, in the case of Glitch, so you could talk about the, like, setting that tone. Some of it is the DNA. Glitch yeah. used to be Fog Creek. That is the company where Stack Overflow was born, where Trello was born. There is this 20-year history of, like, let's give people tools to share, collaborate, communicate, mm-hmm. that it's not going to do weird, creepy things behind your back with mm-hmm. your data. Like, all that kind of stuff was, you know, I got to walk into a place where that had been set 15 years prior. That, that goes a really long way. So tell me a little bit about what the underlying sort of technology is. You mentioned Canvas. If I don't know anything about code and I show mm-hmm. up, what tools can I use? And if I do know stuff about code, what code you oh, know, can yeah. I use? So Glitch is an architectural marvel. Technically, it's kind of amazing. So each of those 5 million apps, and we call them apps, and you know, they could be websites, they could be bots, they can be whatever. But each of the 5 million apps on Glitch is its own full stack app running in its own Docker container that instantly gets spun up as soon as you remix an app or create a new project on Glitch. 
And just the orchestration of that is like kind of mind-bending. Wow, that is kind of mind-blowing. And like you think about people managing big Docker fleets and things, they're probably all like the same where you have like 10,000 workers that are all like yeah. a database or whatever. And these are like 5 million apps and no two are the same. Are y'all Kubernetes? We are not. Crazy. It's really mind-bending. It's definitely like, I'm like, we are fortunate that we have a lot of very, very clever, smart people working yeah. very hard because Kubernetes is incredible infrastructure, optimized for all these containers are the same. And, oh, see, and yeah. also you keep them running, right? And glitch apps, if you're not using them, they go to sleep after five minutes. And then we restore them when you go back to the app. And that is not a workflow that any infrastructure optimizes for because it's very yeah. weird behavior. Nobody yeah. else wants their database to go to sleep when you're not looking at it, right? Yeah. And, and so there's a very, very interesting set of constraints we have. And so the team spent, I mean, it was really the first year, year and a half of yeah. working on Glitch was kind of deep work on like, how do you solve this class of problems as a different optimization that everybody else is doing. Yeah. Do you charge folks? We're just about to. So yeah. that's <laughs> this is like least surprising reveal. But like, guess what? We'd like to make money and still exist. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, and um, You can't yeah. just take venture the capital exactly. and then right. go public. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, you know, again, like it goes to the DNA of the companies. Like, you know, I love Stack Teams and we use it every day, but like Stack Overflow Teams or Trello, like there were these products where it's like, in exchange for providing you a product or a tool of value, you will give us money and everybody understands how it works. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand how that became old fashioned. Like it everybody, is old fashioned. Like everybody else has this very elaborate, complicated, and even like there are companies like that, like I love Slack and, and GitHub and whatever, where it's like, I'm going to give you money and you're going to give me these tools and it's all good. Yeah. It doesn't have to be complicated. And I think because Glitch is a little more social and seen kind of a little bit like a social network, they're like, are you going to slap ads on it and do weird, creepy stuff with our data? It's like, no, no, I don't want to do any of that. Like, take Glitch to work, make cool apps with it, we'll charge you a couple bucks, and then your app won't go to sleep all the time. Oh, you're n so you're going to do that? Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. So I was thinking that what you're doing is kind of like the Heroku model, early yeah. Heroku, yeah. they used to take sort of down when you weren't using it. So yeah. if I pay, then that won't happen. Yeah, your app keeps running and maybe cool. have some more you know, storage and compute and all that stuff. And then, what I mean, honestly, option. what people want is like, I want to, my IT guy says I have to be able to sign in with you know Google or something. Right. Okay, yeah. fine, we'll give you that, sure. Yeah. yeah, I was reading a really fun article about this ML trained, it was called AI Dungeon or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's that word one where it's like, you walk into a cave, what do you yeah. want to do? And they've gotten it to a point where you can say literally anything. It's and just it'll like play. boundless and it'll play with you. But they were saying, eventually, you know, this is a university project, the cost got too high. Yes. So what they had to do was come up with a system like yours where it's like, okay, if you haven't played in a day or so, we're going to shut you, you know, we're going to close you. You've kept you close your session. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So kind of toggling them on and off mm -hmm. while they're at that moment of saying, like, we want this to be free and open and have as many people as possible, but we can't support all these instances, you know, over, yeah. you know, 24-7. And that stuff seems like, it seems pretty fair. Like, I think more of these models talk about Slack. I mean, freemium has been around a long time where it's like, here's a business model where Try some if you like it. You pay some money and everybody is square. And and I, I just wish more of the web ecosystem worked that way instead of the like some weird creepy thing is happening behind your back and that's the monetization model. I think it's nice to be able to understand things and how they work. And then, you know, to that point about the AI, it's so fascinating because so text adventure games have been around for 40, 50 years on computers and it was always people writing scripts. And I'm like, yeah, this is a corpus of text now. It's like being able to train up you know, an AI on that is like a dream. Like it's really exciting. And we have this huge community on Glitch of people doing work, especially in TensorFlow, but all the different AI mm. and ML frameworks. And the TensorFlow team at Google, they use Glitch for all their examples. So TensorFlow.js cool. is all, yeah. You know, I was definitely, which I think a lot of people are, there's always the like, I ought to learn that. 
Like I definitely have oh, that. Oh yeah, TensorFlow is like, on that list for me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think <laughs> yeah. it's like whether it's like this is the year I'm going to finally learn Vue because I'm a yeah. React person. You know, like whatever it is. Yeah. You're like, there's that framework that you feel that um, I always felt like guilty if I haven't like kicked the tires on this yet. Yeah. And it was always when am I going to have a couple hours to set up a dev environment and pull down the code and build it? And blah, oh god, it's like a nightmare, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like I have a child that I would be neglecting. Like it's a yeah. lot, you know. Right. Dad setting up another dev environment. Yeah, exactly. You got right. to do it with them. You got to be like, hey, let's learn. Yeah. Well, together, he's more of a know? Python guy, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> be like, ugh. He's right. a nine-year-old that knows more than I do. I was like, I don't want to compete. Yeah. But then I could go to you know one of these TensorFlow examples on Glitch, and it was just running. And then I was just playing with it. It was already trained. It was already there. I could just go. And it was like I could do it as a coffee break or I could do it like over lunch or I could do it after the kid had gone to bed. And instead, you know, like it's literally like while watching Netflix, I can be tinkering with this thing. And it felt like the fun part, the exploration yeah. part. It really brought me back to like why I love coding, why I love creating, why I love messing with stuff on the web and being able to pull apart real AI apps that people have built on Glitch and be able to just view source on them yeah. and see what they did. And I was like, this is the, the joy of coding. This totally. is the part I loved. That's the power of like owning a really great synthesizer is that there's all this stuff built into it and you can hit a few buttons and all of a sudden it's playing this amazing thing and then you can sort of tinker in there yeah. and you can deconstruct it a little bit. But yeah, you don't even have to know how to play yourself. It's right, kind of right, yeah. The, the presets and the things that are there. I was always a person that loved like the DVD extras as much as the movie. Like how did you make it? Like I could not get enough of footage of like somebody in a blue suit with dots stuck on them in front of a blue screen. You know what I mean? I was like, yes, like show me more of this. And that thing, I think it was sort of that same impulse. It was like, how did you do that? How did you make that? Or, you know, growing up on like being a Star Wars fan, I was like, how did they do the stop motion? And I think it's the same impulse, which is like, that app is amazing. I want to see what you did. Yeah, like open source and learning. Yeah. One thing, it sounds like, so Paul and I have a segment scheduled to complain about package managers oh, as long okay. as possible. Mm -hmm. It sounds like what you've done is circumvented the package manager. <laughs> like yeah. the whole, that is not compatible. You do not have version 2.9 installed. No, now must start it, over. So it's kind of amazing. And Glitch, we detect your package JSON and we have basically cached almost every common node module. Yeah, so wow. like if you just sort of add a dependency into your project, it's just there. There's no build, there's no nothing, and it's shared across these 5 million projects. So like oh, essentially great. every node module is used across 5 million apps. Like at, yeah. at some point, everybody's used everything. And so once they're cached, they're cached for the entire infrastructure. And so that was a huge part of it was like wow. there were all these like image libraries where I was like, I just remember spending hours being like, this won't build. And I have like a stock standard Mac. Like I'm not doing anything weird. Yeah. I'm going into oh, homebrew and I'm like banging my head against the wall and I'm like but I just wanted to make the picture you know and like yeah. I just I wanted to make funny cool things every and, time and it was like all of the it was like yeah if I were like baking cookies and I was like start by grinding flour I'm like no <laughs> I want the sweet delicious treat yeah and so yeah that that was a huge thing for me that felt really empowering in the early days of glitch was and I, I take it for granted now it's funny because we we use it to build glitch, right? But I don't think about dependencies. Yeah. I don't I don't think about package management. Like oh, it great. just happens magically in the background. And in fact, like we have a little thing that'll sort of pop up, hey, this one's out of date. Do you want to see it? And I think about like, you know, how do we even help you understand what changes are gonna happen at your app if you upgrade upgrade a dependency or something yeah. like that? Like that's definitely a path we want to go down. Yeah, um, I had that happen to me recently where I wanted to fix a bug on an app that'll go unnamed and three days later I had it installed and I was like, well, now I don't have time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also like you only have so much like energy in your soul. Yeah. Right? And like your soul is continuously one crushed tiny by, yeah. by build errors. You're just like, well, you know what? I don't like, I don't have it in me anymore. Yeah. Right. You're the character in the quest and you've got your sleep meter, your yes, health meter, yeah. your my soul is crushed meter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, right. Like, yeah. And I have spent all my soul points yeah, exactly. on yeah. build errors. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so along with Glitch, you now have a publication called Glimmer. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what the impetus behind that was, where people can find it, and sort of, yeah, what you're trying to do with it. You know, the high level is, I think all of us who are in tech, well, you've heard me complain about, oh, well, you know, these sites are doing creepy things, and these networks are full of content I hate. And yet, there's still an optimism, I think, for a lot of us who make tech that is like, well, it was supposed to be good for us, and the web Mm. was supposed to be good, and tech was supposed to be good. And we all know those stories. We all know moments where we had a success. I made a thing and it was cool and somebody else liked it and it felt good. Or I saw this app and it reminded me that people were out there being creative. And there wasn't a place to tell those stories about, you know, we can still be critical. We can still say apps shouldn't be doing bad things with your data or whatever. But then to say, and where do we point out what somebody's created that is inspiring? Where somebody who's unexpected has been able to make technology, where technology is shaping the world around us you know, every every aspect, right? So like the idea of a way of expressing your fandom for your favorite boy band is software, is new, right? People are like, yeah, you make a poster. Yes, you get a tattoo. Yes, you have a poster on your wall or, or, or you wear a t-shirt. But the idea of like, I'm going to express my excitement about this thing by making technology is new. And so Glimmer is a place to tell those stories. And I've been really, it's brand, brand new. So we're just getting launched. And the first wave of stories are really thoughtful, I think in that balance of, you know, yeah, we can do better. Some of the stuff that we're going to point out of what's broken in tech and, and could be implemented better. But also, I think any of us who have ever written a line of code read a regular news story about tech and kind of roll your eyes. They're yeah. like, they don't understand this. They don't get it. I mean, they understand the social issues or the business issues. Yeah. They're really great at writing about, you know, this company raised this many dollars from this investor because mm-hmm. they know finance. It's a number and it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But then you're like, no, 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 you've misunderstood what happened technologically. You know, we had the, the recent debacle in Iowa with the caucuses, the app oh, yeah. data ha- happening there. And, and, you know, there's a lot of cultural and social underpinnings as to why they ended up in that situation. But at a tech level, it was a couple days later, somebody wrote a story, I think it was Vice Magazine, a written story, and then BuzzFeed or, or somebody did a kind of a recap of it. But they mentioned the app was distributed through test flight, mm. right? This yeah. mobile app was distributed through test flight. Yeah. And all of us who've ever shipped an iOS app are like, we're like oh, oh my God. <laughs> like, yeah. no, that would Don't never work. Like, in the field, like low, <laughs> yeah. low connectivity and they're sending around their like device ID. Yeah, like, no, no, that's never going to work. And so there's a thing like we have that reaction because we know what that means. Yeah. Where you're like, somebody was down to the wire in Xcode no fighting option. with iTunes Connect yeah. and just being like, oh, please, oh, please work, right? We're imagining <laughs> that person with the sweat. Exactly. Like, I guess we're just going to have to do test flight. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, my goodness. This Not ideal. failure state. And the funny thing is, people who've never coded, like I think about a cooking show, and they have watched the like down to the wire, and the person's like, ah, I couldn't plate the dish. I didn't have the sauce ready or, you know, whatever that yeah. like their, their competition show is. And they're like, I don't cook, but I can see, oh, I understand what that person yeah. went through and that it wasn't done, and they can understand that panic. And actually, if it had been they were trying to serve a Bernays sauce to everybody in Iowa, they would actually be able to, the writer would be able to talk about that. Yeah. You know, like the souffle fell and yeah. they weren't able to get it done and yeah. therefore it didn't get onto the table. But if they don't have that fluency in knowing, oh, this is an indication you weren't ready to ship. They can't tell that part of the story. And that is key. That level of technical knowledge of being what only coders know is key to actually telling the story, in this case, about what happened in politics, but is true in art, that is true in education, that is true in every aspect of society. And, you know, some of this is what we want to do in Glimmer, but I think just across the board. And, you know, Ben, like how you and I met, is the you telling these kinds of stories. And I think going back to, like, how many people in the world are telling stories that involve technology from a point of view that is fluent 
in technology. It's a tough thing. I was, I was talking to someone the other day, a relative actually, about their work and the developers at their office. And people were frustrated because they have an app and they have one of those pop-ups that say, well, how do you feel about our app? Scale of <laughs> one to five. Yeah. And they were frustrated because if you answered three or below, it sends you to a feedback form that goes nowhere. <laughs> and then if it's like above That'll three, it goes to the app store. So yeah. you could do it there. And the developers were frustrated because they felt it was unethical. But the business was like, come on, we want good ratings for our app. So that's one of those situations wow. where like you're building the tech, you feel like you have a good ethical stance, but it doesn't resonate with the people driving the business. Yeah, that's a, that's a dark pattern I'm going to have to put in my pocket for later. We should use that for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, all, but all, all of us have encountered those things where somebody made a choice and we don't actually have that many places to talk about that stuff inside the industry, right? So they, they go as folklore, and almost all of us have probably been at like companies or worked on products in the past where there were things like that. And where would you go? Because it's, it's not going to get to the level of outrage where it's going to be a headline in the New York Times. Yeah, no one's reading that yeah, article you know about, I mean? my, yeah, about my inside, cousin. Inside the industry, there is a culture of choices in our technology. We make choices about where the app goes, where the form survey results go, you know, how we encourage certain behaviors. And we don't talk about them anymore. Like, what are the incentives? And so I think those things are very, they're really interesting in that they're, you know, you move a button by a couple pixels and it has this huge impact on maybe millions of people's lives. And yet it doesn't get discussed. Mm -hmm. And so I think about, and maybe, I mean, that's actually a bad example because UX, at least there's some conversation because people can sort of see it. You know, if, if Apple changes to dark mode, everybody talks about that. But the choices about, like, how does this software work and who can access it and what does it do to the people that use it and with their information? Yeah. Well, it's like the unseen things. What is being surfaced in your feed and what's not and mm -hmm. why, you know? Or, yeah. like, what is trending for you? You know, yeah. and those choices are completely opaque to you. And when you wake up every morning, they shape your mentality for the whole day going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have been doing a lot of work here at Stack Overflow, you know, on the community side. I would like to get your take on it as somebody who, you know, who's been involved with the company for a long time. You were saying before about how sort of you go through that transition of, hey, we've been providing something for, you know, quite a while for free and now we'd like you to pay for it or whatever. I do think there's a deep sort of held sense within our power user community of, hey, you're getting away from your roots as a community-created thing, and now you're just all about business. It's all about the money. It's all about <laughs> yeah. the suits. It's all about the lawyers. You know, to which the response is, well, we have many, many employees to pay, and we have changes that we'd like to make to the product that would, you know, you've asked for. Mm -hmm. How would you like us to do that? Should we go to the Jimmy Wales Wikipedia donation model? Or, you know what? <laughs> you know, the whole idea was to get away from the experts exchange, right? To make it all free. You don't even need to log in. You know, yep. we don't even need a user account. So I wonder what you think about that challenge, especially with 12 years of history on it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm lucky in that I kind of got a front row seat to watching all this. And yeah, I should be clear, I'm, yeah, I'm on the board of Stack Overflow, but I'm not, not speaking as like, here's a corporate spokesman kind of like, this is literally just me. Well, exactly what I was. I was somebody who knew Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood and read their blogs. I was a working coder. I thought I could never pass a coding test to work for those guys because I'm not that good a coder, but there's a lot to learn from what they write. And this is something where I don't think, the, well, the majority of coders won't remember it because it's, it's been so long now. But you mentioned Experts Exchange. There were a series of sites that had some answers to some coding questions, and they were all paywalled. And it was weird because it was the early era of SEO and Google, 
And so you knew the answer was there because yeah. it would show up in the search results. Yeah. You would get there and immediately it. lock you out and be that. like, you got to pay. And it got more and more expensive. I mean, it was literally one of those things where you're like, the answer to the question that I need to do for my job is being held for ransom. And I can't expense it because there was so much stigma too, which was like, if you tell your boss you're going to expense experts Yeah, why exchange, don't you know? Right, exactly. What are we paying you for? Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> and we yeah. bought you two O'Reilly books. Like, shouldn't you know everything? Yeah, they were right? $60. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, um, and it's very hard to sort of, to picture that world. And then there would be, like, I was uh, mostly a PHP coder for most of that part of my career. And there would be a couple mailing lists. And, you know, you had the... What's the nice way to say rules Nazis? Like you had the most strict yeah. like rules mailing lawyers. Rules lawyers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Rules lawyers. <laughs> and um, sorry, I'm an old man. <laughs> but you would have these, these, they were so rigid about, well, yeah. you you top quoted your email. Therefore, you don't get to know the answer the, to yeah. the question about oh, PHP. Yeah. And I would just be like, all right, fellas, like I just wanted to know, you know, like, like I'm sorry. I want to leave at five. Uh, exactly. Like I'm I, sorry I have transgressed against you <laughs> with my plain ASCII email here. But like- yeah. <laughs> Can we just talk about what the code is that we're writing? And it was, at an emotional level, it was humiliating. Yeah. It was degrading because it was like, you have to perform in these ways or you have to have like unlimited disposable income to pay for three yeah. different paywalled sites. And the overall effect was, this is a secret priesthood and you can't be in it. Mm. You are not allowed to have access to this information. And I had this experience, which was like, Child of immigrants, I didn't go to college. I just wanted to like have a foothold. I, I loved the web and I loved tech, but I wanted to be able to build stuff. And it was like, if you don't do these things and these rituals you've never heard of in this way, then you don't get access to the information that is like economic opportunity and career advancement and self-expression. And I didn't know until I saw another way how much I resented it and how hurtful it felt and how exclusionary it felt. Yeah. And this is like, I mean, this sounds like I'm like kissing ass, but like, and then I saw what Joel said. And Joel was like, there's a moral imperative, and I'm paraphrasing, but like there was a moral imperative to not lock this information away. Yeah. This is an, a, a path to access for, and now I look at this today, there are millions of people around the world who their path to economic stability, opportunity, is access to the information that is in the Stack Overflow community. Yeah. Right? If they can see how to answer that question, how to write that line of code, they can transform their lives and transform their careers. And, you know, in the case, like my, my family's from a very rural part of India and Aboriginal tribes who live around our family village, live on about seven or $800 a year for a family wow. of four. And kids there go and go to the like bigger cities and take a class on learning Java or learning, you know, like whatever the framework is. And they can permanently upgrade their entire village's standard of living by learning these skills mm. that the Stack community has been generous enough to share with them. Like that is the the center of what Stack Overflow is about. You know, and it's funny because at the same time, like, and it is, you know, I know Jeff Atwood a long time and to the point where, you know, he and I have butted heads many times. He's not the, he, he cares deeply about building platforms that people can share knowledge on. And he's super opinionated in a way that I always found really obnoxious. Right. <laughs> and, and so I was like, and, and Joel is no shrinking violet either. Right. You're pretty opinionated on Twitter. Uh, no, I'm, I'm a, no, I'm, yeah, I've never, all right. A little bit. And, and, and so you have these very strong personalities and it is both the yin and yang of that, I think is what the catalyst is for Stack Overflow, which yeah. is like the impulse, the underlying motivation is one of the most generous acts of knowledge sharing in history. 
Yeah. It is akin to Wikipedia. It is one of it these is. things which is like we're going to throw open the gates to this information and not have get it. this. Yeah, you and know, share and that it. Yeah. and that is powerful. And then you say, what are the choices you have to make about incentivizing or rewarding people to participate? I think people come to Stack out of a sense of you know when they're answering out of a sense of altruism. I think yeah. you really do want to help people. I think for when you're asking a question and looking for that information, there's a vulnerability to it. I don't know this. I don't want to be seen as a fraud. I don't want my boss to say, why don't you know this? I don't want to have my entire career be precariously in the balance about whether I can get access to a certain kind of information. There's a vulnerability. And I think that's one of the biggest balances over the last dozen years is we're balancing people at a moment of maximum vulnerability about their future, their career, their life. And people who are genuinely altruistic but playing a game that was made by strong-headed people who wanted to reward a certain competitiveness and a certain, right. you know... Not, um, pearls uh, not sand or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly, right? And it wasn't a bad motivation, but Stack Overflow historically has been a single-player game. Yeah, mm. There is a global leaderboard, but it's been a single-player game. And I think we're in the transition to making it over you know years and decades to come a multiplayer game where we advance by helping each other. That was always the impulse, but that wasn't the scorekeeping. That wasn't the rep, right? Yeah. Right. And I think it's a hard transition, and yeah. I, and I think it's no surprise that people feel stress and confusion and anxiety about that. I think we have to be. And, and Prashanth and I have talked about this a lot. Joel and I have talked about this a lot. We want to figure out how to navigate that. But that thing makes me so excited about the future of Stack because there's this chance to rethink at a f- fundamental principles what brought us all here in the first place. Awesome. All right, we got to wrap it up. I'm going to read two shout outs to the lifeboats and then we'll say goodbye and where people can find us on the internet. Good Zookeeper, Hello World, program with Java Client, awarded yeah, to Deepak Singhal. So thanks for answering that question. I don't really know what the question is, but what does the return value of GC.collect actually mean to Tim Peters yesterday? Thanks for those lifeboats to both of you. I'm Ben Popper, awesome. the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me at Ben Popper on Twitter. I'm Sarah J. Chips, Sarah J. Chips on Twitter, and I'm the director of public Q&A here at Stack Overflow. And I'm Anil Dash with Glitch. Find me on glitch.com, and uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on.